the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Well, here we are yet again, friendos. We got another episode of Oral Sessions, baby. Hold on to your b-holes. This is a good episode. This is really fun. I was able to track down the current WWE champion, The Miz. Uh, He rocked everyone's world at Elimination Chamber when he cashed in his Money in the Bank contract, defeated Drew McIntyre to hold that championship again in WWE. I mean, a decade apart from the last time that he got to headline WrestleMania. So really cool time to be able to sit down, chat with Mike, The Miz, and just get to pick his brain on just this point in his career, what he's going through, how he sees things going down, um, the respect that he has built between the WWE universe amongst his peers in WWE, obviously from the higher up brass in WWE to just how he juggles it all to going home, being a dad, being a husband, hosting a million different shows, doing a reality show on top of that. I mean, this guy, I honestly do not know when he sleeps. I don't know when he stops to pee. He might have a catheter in. I have no idea. I don't know how this man does it. It's crazy. Uh, But the fact that he was able to uh, to take the time to sit down, give me some of his time uh, during this very pivotal amazing point in his career. Very, very cool. Um, so you guys are going to love this conversation. We talk about his time in, in the real world, um, just the struggles that he went through, went from reality TV to, to trying to break into the wrestling business, to trying to break into the entertainment business outside of WWE. It's really interesting. I mean, this guy just hustles. You cannot deny the work ethic of The Miz. And as we see, um, just the, the respect garnered over the years, this man deserves it. No question. So guys, without further ado, let's get into it. He is the only multi-time, two-time over Grand Slam champion in the history of WWE. He's a WWE champ. Here he is, Mike The Miz. I'm offensively pale right now. Yipey diapies. Yeah, this is all Tanner. Did you just get home? You know, it's funny. I, I landed, I worked out, and then I put Madison to bed, but she's still not, like, it took an hour today. Like, you don't, you don't understand where you're getting into. I don't have a clue. I don't have any clue. I always appreciated this, and I'm going to have a whole new appreciation for it, but the guys that are on the road hustling, and then you come home, and right away it's into dad mode. Like, that's tough. Last night... Uh, I got home. I think I was in the, I was in the, the, the main event. So we were done at 11. Right. And, you know, to get, you know, shower, get all your stuff together. You're not at the hotel till 12, 1230. You know, you get a meal. Uh, you're not in bed wound down. You can't wind down because you, you just got off, you know, doing all these things that you were working towards, uh, for the show and you're on a high, you know? And so I don't really sleep until I get on the plane. And a lot of people have a hard time sleeping on planes. I don't have a hard time sleeping on planes. Are you like a mouth sleeper on planes? Like open mouth? No, I don't. I don't. I don't do the whole, honestly, I don't know. Like I have a, I have a mask on. So luckily, like, even if I was doing the mouth thing, nobody would know, but you know what my mask is right now. And it's a really weird mask. And people always tell me about it all the time. I have like the Kelly Clarkson show. I did the Kelly Clarkson show name drop, right? Uh, like, probably like a couple months ago and they gave me a mouth mask and it is the most comfortable mask that I have. 
So I use it all the time. And everyone always like, why are you promoting the Kelly Clarkson show? One, I think she's hella talented and I love the show. And two, it's the most comfortable mask that I have. (laughs) Kelly Clarkson basically can do no wrong. Like not only is she one of the most incredible singers of our generation, she crushes her show. Like she's so good at it. So when I went to the show, you never know like how the hosts are going to be. And most, and honestly, I've never had a bad experience with a host where they're rude or anything of that. Everyone's been above and beyond nice. The one thing I got from Kelly Clarkson is she's real. It's what you get. And what you see on TV is what you get backstage. Like even when, like, you know, when pressure situations are happening, she has a live show. And in between takes, she would sit there and just talk with us about rant, like honestly about kids. Cause she has kids and it's, it's amazing when you have kids, how much you can relate to other parents. And I never realized this when I was not having kids and had zero, my friends would always be like, dude, you have no idea what it's like to have kids. Like, I'd be like, why aren't you going out? Come out with us. Come have dinner. Come hang out. Let's go do something. Let's go have a drink. Dude, I got kids. You don't understand. And I never did. And I'd be like, yes, I do. I have dogs. I have cats. And I never understood it until I had Monroe. Right. And then everything changes. You find a whole new love that you never even knew you had inside your heart. You realize that you have no free time. All your free time is spent caring for your child and being with them. And being on the road, you miss them so much. Like, I couldn't wait to get home. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, you won the WWE championship. This is incredible. What are you going to do? You know, and everyone's usually like, I'm going to go party or I'm going to go celebrate. All I wanted to do was take it home to show my girls and just be with them. That's all I wanted. Like, I just wanted them to play with the title and be around the title. Because to be honest, I did not think I would ever have the title again. I'm not one of those superstars that are always in the mix. Like I'm in the mix, but you don't believe I'm ever going to win the WWE championship. Well, that's why it rocked everyone's world, that elimination chamber. Like John and I were watching and we're like, oh my God, like we like legit popped for it. We're like, holy shit. Rocked your world. Imagine me going into the, I had no idea. I walk in there and nobody was talking to me. Like all the creative, I'm like, is anyone going to tell me what that was going on? It's like, like in the morning or like during the show you had afternoon, no oh my the God. afternoon. And so I'm like, Oh my God, like, is anyone going to talk to me? And then, and then I went in and uh, figured out what was going on. And I was like, okay, this is it. And honestly, you never believe it's going to happen. You don't until you hear one, two, three, you don't believe it's going to happen. And when the one, two, three happened. And, and by the way, this is against Drew McIntyre. And if you've been watching WWE at all, like Drew and Roman are on fire. They are incredibly hard to beat. They uh, have grabbed the brass ring and literally, as we always say, and literally have basically said, we are untouchable. You're not going to be able to touch us. You're not going to be able to get this title off of us. It's very difficult. And then being Mr. Money in the Bank, the fear is always you're going to cash in and lose. Well, that's been such a thread for so long. Like that happens so often. We've not seen a good cash in in a while. I hope I gave everyone what they wanted. Honestly, the internet, I felt, honestly, this time was different with the, uh, with the internet. So the last time I cashed in, it was 100% hate. People could not stand me. And this time it was even like there was 50% that said, we can't stand him. He hasn't won a match. He's won three matches in a year. He doesn't deserve it. This is the weakest champion ever, blah, blah, blah. And then there was another half that said, nah, 
he deserves it. And we're proud of him. And this, and and, and another cool thing was the elimination chamber went. And when I went backstage, you know, I talked to the people in the, in the chamber and they were all very receptive and very almost proud and being like, you deserve it. And it's cool to get it from like Twitter or whatever. But when your peers are telling you, congratulations, when you and John like text me, I was like, wow, you know, it makes you feel good, you know, because you know, you've worked with these people and they see the work that you put in and that nobody else sees. Like you said, it's like when you cashed, like when you, when you won the WWE title, like 10 years ago, looking at what you're doing now a decade later to just how much time has changed that you have always been consistently one of the best heels in WWE. Like you get legit heat. Is that something that you're concerned about now that fans are starting to actually respect you more in the ring? No, I'm not actually. Uh, I'm really good at making people hate me. And I think I get it from my dad. My dad's a button pusher. You like my dad. You love being around him, but you know he's going to push your button. You're, you're going to get very aggravated and mad at him. And he can do it like that. And I never realized I had that, like he did that until I was, I think it was a WrestleMania in like San Francisco. We were out eating afterwards and my dad was just kind of doing this to you. Oh yeah. He was like, you know, I need to have a conversation with Vince. And I go, dad, you're not going to talk to Vince. You're my dad. Like, you know, no, I'm, if I ever see him, I'm going to make sure that he knows exactly who I am. And I just want to have a conversation and you don't want your parents ever to have a conversation with your boss. So wait, has your dad had a conversation with Vince? But hold no, no. So we're just sitting eating and he's like, and, and you never know when your parents, my dad was actually in an elevator once with Vince. I'm sweating thinking about this because my mom did the same thing to me. And he goes, you know who I am? And I was like, oh, dad, please tell me you didn't do that. And he goes, I'm the Mrs. Dad. And the Vince was like, nice to meet you, sir. Pleasure, you know, and walked out. And I was like, man, my dad could have really made this really bad for me. And he go, and so he was doing the next time I see him, I'm going to have a conversation about what I think WWE needs. Now, mind you, my dad tells me this every Monday, what I need to do. And he's never, he stepped foot in the ring once in his life. And this that might've been the worst thing that's ever happened to me because at WrestleMania, I was facing Shane McMahon in a no, no disqualification, anything goes. And my dad got in the ring and I said, dad, if you get in the ring, just put up your hands and fight him. And the way he put up his hands, it became a meme because it was like a 1940s, like boxer fighter, like put him up, put him up, put him up. And it, it like broke the internet. It was the number one talked about thing at that WrestleMania. So my dad's like, I was in the ring for what a minute and I created such an impact. So I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't get it. And he, and, and so this is the type of things that he does to me. And I remember sitting in San Francisco with him at dinner and I, I saw the, like the gleam in his eyes, like the, the pleasure that he was getting out of it, of getting a rise out of me. And I was like, oh my God. And a, a, real, a realization happened. And I went, I do this. How did it take you that long to figure that out? I don't know. I had no, I, I had no idea I had this gene or this, this talent to basically find a button and keep pressing it. And so now that you look and I have Ms. and Mrs. New episodes come out uh, the day after WrestleMania on the USA Network right after Raw. So you're definitely not going to miss that. But with Ms. and Mrs., I think people see me and who I am with my family, with my daughters. And in WWE, I think they get it. 
they understand what I'm doing and who I am and they don't like it. They respect it. Now they respect it. Like before in 2010, they didn't respect me. They, they did not have any respect for me. They didn't want me there. They didn't believe I should have the WWE championship. Hell, most people didn't think I should be in the main event of WrestleMania. Like, was that just from like fans, peers, but like, obviously the company has believed in you the entire time you've been there. I think Vince has always believed in me, which has always been incredible in my mind that whenever I've had a conversation with him, you can tell he, I think he can tell that if he tells me something, I don't just hear it. I listen to it. I absorb it. And I'm able to get exactly what he wants out of it and make sure that the big picture is in place and he can lean on me to do that. And I'm not a guy that goes like a lot of people go into Vince's office and complain or say, we need to do this. We need to do that. I'm not that guy. I'm a guy that says Vince needs this done. I can do that. Not only can I do that, I can make it even better than what he wants it to be. And I think that's the trust that I have developed with him and with the company. Um, The company knows that this is my passion. This is my life. This is my love. And there's nothing I love more than doing this. I love entertaining. I love being out in front of a live audience. Granted, we have, you know, virtual audience now, but I still love that. There's still an energy. There's still a, a difficulty to it that no other entertainment business can understand. And I just, I just enjoy it. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA InPlay turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA InPlay, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to, because NBA InPlay is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA InPlay today. Okay, you've just said about a million things that I need to dive into. Okay. Um, but I need to get my mom's Vince story out of the way because that happened to me as well. My, my mom did this to me twice. I'm nervous. Like I'm, I'm shaking for you right now. I was like not paying attention. I was like busy. I had interviews to do or I was like about to do something. And my mom can be much like your dad where she's like busybody, wants to hang out and shoot the shit with everybody. Let everyone know she's my mom. So I look away for two seconds and Vince is coming out of his office. And she goes, oh, here's my opportunity to go meet him. The man I've always wanted to meet. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Like that slow-mo, I look over and she's like, hi, I'm Renee's mom. Like, And I could see Vince is like looking at Jim Kelly. Like, who is this? Get this lady out of here. Jim Kelly, of course, is uh, Vince's uh, security guard. But um, I was absolutely panicked during that. And then she did it to me again when we were in Manchester. I flew her out to Manchester, England. And I'm like, just please hang in catering. And the catering in Manchester is the shits, as we know. They're not the food wise, but like, whatever, that's up for debate. But it's it's so small. So I'm like, mom, I need you to just sit here. I've got a bunch of stuff to do. Just don't get in the way. And I look down, she's fucking standing outside Gorilla. Like just hanging outside Gorilla. I had to like pull her aside and Dustin Wallace stepped in and was like, 
<laughs> he helped me like corral her into another room, but she's just like lingering around trying to get in a word with Hunter to like say hi. I was just so having parents backstage is so nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking and they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand. They just think what, what it's a job. Like who cares? <laughs> yes. Like, no, it's not just a job. Like this is a billion dollar company. Like we, it needs to roll. You you can't just bring your parent, bring your parents to school day, you no. know, I mean, to your work day. Uh, but you, you know, it's funny when you're talking about your mom in Manchester, I remember seeing your mom in Manchester. And I think it was right after you scolded her because was I was like, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, cause I, cause I've met her before. And she was like, um, I was like, Hey, do you want to go in, over here? Like, I think I wanted her to, uh, to check out like my gear or something. She, I can't move. I go, what do you mean you can't move? She goes, Renee told me I'm not allowed to move from this spot. And I go, yeah, but it's just right. I can't move. I'm not allowed to move. So you're the one that led her towards Gorilla. This I is might on have. You. I might have. Cause I wanted, she was like, <laughs> we were talking about something and then my gear, she's like, she liked my gear. And I was like, oh, you should see my new stuff. Like, like I can't move. I'm not, Renee just yelled at me. She yelled at me. I like pulled her into the bathroom. I was like, you can't do that. You're embarrassing me. Oh my God. Yeah. Bringing your parents to work is, is highly stressful. I, I can't wait till I get to do it to my kids. Me too. I can't wait. I How cannot wait. How are you feeling, wait. by the way? I feel great. You look I great. Feel, thank you. Blowing. I mean, I have like this happening. Yeah. What? Are, how far along are we? I'm 25 weeks on, uh, on Friday. Wow. I know. And it's gone by so fast. You would think during a pandemic being pregnant, it would go by really slow, but it is like flying by. But so the other thing that you said that I find interesting is you not knowing that you have that like pushing buttons thing. I mean, that is like, that's like your identity. Yeah. I feel like one of the first times I met you or like maybe just like kind of getting to know you, I was like, you're an only child, aren't you? Yes, 100%. And you're like, what? Yes, I am. Why would you say that? And I was like, oh, you have like that only child syndrome. You're like pestering everybody and like center of attention. I like watching you do it to other people. It cracks me up. When you do it to me, I want to kill you. But I like when you do it to other people. Yeah, Back in our I days mean, of doing Tough Enough, the good old days. Oh, man. Tough Enough was fun, wasn't it? Like, I mean, we literally got to go and fly on a plane, like a private jet. Like, I don't know how many times people ever have ever in their wildest dreams got to fly on a private jet, eat sushi. It's stiff drinks, too. Fly in, sleep for maybe three hours, go to a production meeting, get the stuff going and literally create a show. Do you remember when we were rapping and performing for Vince on the jet? Oh my God. I mean, it was honestly, we would put on performances for Vince every single week uh, just because it was fun. And, you know, they blast music and we would just do karaoke. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's so much fun. But that, so it was during those trips, though, because you and I would ride from the hotel to the performance center together to full sail. And that's when I was like, ah, there's Mike. You like took off like the Miz persona. And I was like, oh, OK, I like this guy. Yeah, a lot of people don't get the don't get Mike right away. They usually get the Miz because I think I don't know what happened. So on the real world, I was the outcast. And I've told this story a million times. I was the outcast on the real world. Nobody liked me. And I created the character called the Miz that basically told everyone exactly what I was feeling at the time. And the the crew, the cast, everyone, even the, even the world, like who were watching gravitated towards the Miz and loved the Miz. So I kind of started just doing that. And it was a part of me. And it's uh, obviously we always tell WWE, you know, people that, you know, the Miz is just Mike turned up to a hundred. 
but I just have been doing it for so long that that's how I meet people. And a lot of times it rubs people the wrong way because it's a lot. I have a lot of energy and I will pick and I will do things and I don't usually come off perfect the first time you meet me. But then once we get out of the realm of, I guess, WWE or whatever, and you can just start talking, you'll, you'll find Mike in there somewhere. How was it for you? I mean, when you look back at the, like your days doing the real world, that was like you really testing out the Miz character versus what you were able to bring over to WWE. And now, I mean, just the reality world of you doing real world into now Miz and Mrs. Would you have ever thought that you'd still be doing reality television? No, to be honest, I uh, didn't want to do reality television. Once I left uh, the challenge and I think it was like 2005, I got signed to WWE. I said, I'm never doing reality again. And it wasn't because I didn't love reality. And it wasn't because, you know, Buna Murray was mean to me. Buna Murray was incredible to me. And that's the production company that does real world. MTV was amazing to me. Oh, it was still Buna Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. And so I, I loved like what MTV did for me. I loved what Buna Murray did to me, but there was a stigma back then. There was a huge stigma on reality stars. Reality stars were no good, no talent hacks that were just on a, on a camera and can live their life. They couldn't act. They couldn't entertain. They couldn't do anything besides live their life on TV. That was your only talent. That's all you get. That was the mentality. And by the way, in, when I moved to Hollywood, like I would go, like I was training to become a WWE superstar, but I was also doing improv classes, acting classes. I wanted to try to be in the entertainment world. I wanted to make sure that I made so much noise in everything in entertainment that WWE would see it and sign me. And so I was trying to get acting jobs because maybe if I got on a big show, WWE would see them and be like, oh, he's on another big show. This guy must have something because WWE wasn't knocking on my door right away when I was on The Real World. I had to do about four years of independent wrestling at Ultimate Pro Wrestling um, just to try to like learn the art of professional wrestling. And so finally, Tough Enough happened. And I got a call that said, hey, you could try out for Tough Enough if you wanted. Cause they wouldn't let me try out for tough enough, by the way, when I was on MTV, MTV wouldn't let you. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but I was told I couldn't try out for tough enough because I was already on the real world. And back then you couldn't be on multiple shows that weren't like the sister shows of the real world and the real world was challenging. No cross pollinating. Exactly. But the tough enough that I was going to be on was going to be on the CW. Mm. And that was going to be on SmackDown. So they said you could try out for this one. So I went and uh, I tried out and there I was, you know, I couldn't believe it. Like, and, and back to the, the stigma of being a reality star, when I would go to clubs or when I would go out in LA and people would see me, they would kind of like, I don't know, turn their nose. I guess you could say like, you're a reality star. You're not going to get into this club. You're, you're nothing. You're nobody. But by the way, everyone knew exactly who I was. Like I yeah. was famous, but I wasn't rich at all. I was literally broke and I couldn't get an audition, by the way. Isn't that like worst case scenario to be famous and poor? Like that's a tough, I remember I listened to somebody else do an interview about that. I think it was, um, shit. Uh, the girl from Grey's Anatomy. I'm- Ellen Pompeo. Ellen Pompeo. And she was saying that she, cause she was talking about how she, by the way, how cool is it that I knew you're on it from Grey's Anatomy? Cause I used to watch it all the time. I'm watching all of it now during the pandemic. That's all I've been watching. Um, but she did an interview where she was talking about like sort of reasons why she stayed on Grey's Anatomy for so long. She's like, well, it's a good paycheck. And I get to go home to my kids every night. It's steady. She's like, cause the worst case is being really famous and you are poor. You don't have any money. 
that seems very like whatever, but that would be really a tough spot to have people constantly recognizing you and then not having the means to kind of protect yourself. You know what I was doing for money? I was uh, doing club appearances. Back then, like clubs would pay you to just host clubs. I feel like you were probably thriving uh, in that. But it was it was it was my pro- it was my promo class. Like that was that was where I could literally hone my craft into promos. Like everything I did was goal oriented to be WWE. So I found every tool I possibly could that I felt WWE has as a superstar. And I was just utilizing it. Like when I came to LA, I had a nutritionist. I had a, uh, uh, that, that, by the way, I paid a hundred dollars a month to give me what I knew. And then I had a trainer that would, that would be like, just help me out for free. So I had a trainer, I had a nutritionist, I had improv classes that I made sure that I, I was able to pay. I was barely scraping by. I had acting classes. And then the way I make money is I would go do these club appearances where I could cut promos. Then also colleges would hire me. I never graduated college and they would hire me to come to their schools to talk about my experience on the real world because it's so much like the college experience. So literally I was performing in front of thousands of people, motivational speeches uh, that I would write. And I was like a 20 something year old doing that. So that's how I was making my money while doing these challenges, while basically making a t-shirts. Cause I saw that WWE was like, you know, they're big into merchandise. So I made these B-Miz t-shirts and created a brand and had everyone on the show wear the t-shirts, wear the hats, and just, and they were so supportive. Every cast member was so supportive of me being a WWE superstar, but still WWE never came calling. I think I sold like my first year, a hundred thousand dollars worth of t-shirts. Anyone that ever bought a t-shirt from me, I did it. Like I put it in, I got the envelope. Wow. I would go to the post office every day, every day and just throw <laughs> stuff at them. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. Like, these were all the things that I would do just to get noticed by WWE, but I couldn't get an audition. Nobody would audition yeah. me because they were like, we know who you are. You're the man from the real world. You're Mike from the real world. You're just a reality star. So when I got to WWE, nobody wanted me there because I was a reality star. Nobody wanted to learn that I was doing independent wrestling, that I was trying to learn the craft. Nobody cared back then. It right. was way different than it is now. And, right. and so then uh, cut to... You know, years later, I'm told, hey, we would love to do a reality show with you. And I said, no, absolutely not. Oh, you said no off the bat. It was a 100% no. They were like, we really think it would be good. So three years later, Maurice and I created a, uh, a sizzle for a house flipping show because we were flipping houses at the time. Right. And we brought it to WWE and said, look, we'd love WWE Studios to, to produce this if you want. Sat down. And they were like, we don't want this. This isn't money. You two on a show is money. What will it take to get you on a reality show? And this is at a moment where I was doing bits and pieces for Maurice to do Total Divas. When Maurice was doing Total Divas, I told them, I was like, I'm very minute in Total Divas. Very minute. Not doing a lot. Because I didn't want the stigma that I remembered 15 years before of being on the real world and people saying you're never going to, and I like, I want to, I want to do movies. I want to host. I want to, I want to do all these things in entertainment. And I couldn't do those things back then because nobody would let me in the door. And I didn't want them to do that again. And so I said to Maurice, I go, you know what? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, 
It's all reality show nowadays. Everything's a reality show. I know exactly what the biggest movie star in the world is doing, The Rock. Right now, I go on Instagram and see exactly what he's doing. I can go see what Kevin Hart is doing. These are the biggest movie stars in the world. Are they doing a reality show? No, but I started getting the confidence also that I could do my own thing. I don't have to take the path of The Rock, John Cena, Batista. I can do my own path and be my own superstar and be the only Miz there has ever been. And I said, I'm going to do this reality show. And Maurice kind of, you know, motivated me too. And she's always been my, my big support system. And we said, let's do this, but we're going to do it our way. We have to be executive producers and we have to have full say. And I told Maurice, I go, the best reality shows, the best things that you could put on there is when you have a butterflies in your stomach and not in your throat and you don't want it to air. That's what people want to see. And that's yeah. what we're going to give them. <laughs> and so we did it our way and it's been a success. What are some of those moments? Cause I know, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of it that is on camera, but in reality you have like your mother lives with you guys. Your mother-in-law is there. Like that's gotta be tough having all of these people all they're there all the time. That's not just like for the season. Marjo's a big personality. She comes and goes uh, as much as we, and I like, I love watching her with my daughters. It is incredible. But when you, when you have your mother-in-law or your mother there every day, all day, you kind of just want time for your family. And so we kind of like would ship her back and forth, but with the pandemic and everything happening, you can't do that anymore. So we luckily have a big enough house where Marjo has her own spot. It's just interesting hearing you like talk about your whole story from like the real world and still trying to break into WWE and then still trying to break down the doors in entertainment and like, you know, through acting, through hosting and all that. But like you are so relentless in your pursuit of success that everything for you is always just a matter of time because it seems like anyone that ever takes a shot on you, you're always good for the job whatever it is, whatever somebody's preconceived notion of you may be, once you step in there and that red light's on, you're good to go. Well, I pride myself on making sure that I'm prepared. I have prepared, like, it's not like it just happens. Like the red light comes on and it was there. I've prepared for this. Like I wasn't always good at promos, but like I said, I would do club appearances. I would do speeches. I was sucked at those things, but it got me confidence with the microphone cut to years, years later, you know, I, I sucked. I thought on the mic when I first came to WWE, I had personality, but I wasn't, I wasn't really good. I messed up the diva search, uh, when I was hosting that. And once all my failures have led to my successes, because all my failures have taught me more than anything I've ever learned from being a success. So I've always been a person that I've prepared more and more and more. And I still prepare to this day. Like I'm not exactly where I want to be. People are like, Oh wow. You have a reality show. You're WWE champion. You must, you must be exactly where you want to be. No, I'm not. I'm never satisfied, but this is a, I think this is a WWE or maybe just a professional wrestler type of mentality that, that we're always pushing. We're always doing so much more. I mean, even you, I mean, right now you're pregnant and you're still working. You have a cookbook. I didn't even know you cooked. And all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, you have a cookbook, like you're doing things because you just want, you want to do what makes you happy. I think we, in our own heads, have an idea of kind of what that measure of success is like. And maybe it's just feeling like nothing's ever quite enough. So it is what's next, what's next. Has it changed since you've been pregnant? No. Because I remember conversations with you on the plane 
asking like, what do you want to do? What is your main goal? Yeah. You've not only, I feel like did your goal because I mean, the goal was to get your own talk show and you did, it was a WWE related talk show and you still do it to this day on FS1. I mean, that's a huge, huge goal that you were able to accomplish, but did you, were you able when you hit that one to make a new goal? I think that's when the new goal came for me that I was like, well, now I have to leave WWE um, because I need to go explore what those new goals are because I felt like the goals that I wanted to achieve were no longer with within the parameters that I was working within. You know, I, I still don't think you understand how big it was that you were a commentator, like a legit commentator on WWE, a female voice. Like I thought that was so incredible and you were the perfect person for it. I thought, I think you, uh, have an immense amount of talent and ability and you don't get drowned out by big guys talking like you are able to be smart, witty and able to, it's just, it's an incredible talent that you have. Thank you. I mean, it was, it was definitely like, to me, that was a tall task. That whole year of me doing it. I honestly, like I've said it publicly before, but I didn't. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's, I mean, you know, you did it for a while as well. You've done it. It's not as fun as you think it is. Your mind is going nonstop the entire time for three hours. And you're like, And by the end of it, you are drained. Well, it's such a different thing too. I mean, it's not like going out and doing a promo. And for me, it was not like going out and hosting one of the kickoff shows or talking smack or whatever, because you have to get into the speech patterns of the rhythm of the matches and when you're supposed to talk and, you know, just finding those different moments to like, when you tell stories, what's my role in this three man booth, trying to figure that out. And that was really tough for me. Um, but then on the other side of everything, I mean, once the show with FS1, I mean, we still pop in and do shows every now and then, but yeah, I was like, I need to go do something else. I need to get out of here. What's the new goal. It still is. Like, I, I still want to get that Kelly Ripa gig, man. Like that's always been sort of that quintessential, like staying in that hosting world. I want that either daytime or nighttime gig. I feel like, you know, especially like you said, you come from WWE. We all have so many different things that we're good at. I feel like me and that like variety show space is what I want to do. Um, but, but even just starting doing this podcast and like this podcast is still new, but to be able to partner up with Colin Cowherd as he's getting things going with the volume network and he's got faith in me with this. So like, that's really cool. But yeah. And then creating a baby, like having a human and then taking a second to be like, okay, this is the universe also checking me. Cause I literally got pregnant weeks after I left WWE, like right after. And it wasn't planned. Yes. And no, but we were told that it wasn't going to happen. Like I thought I had to go do IVF was totally prepared to do that. And then literally I leave after SummerSlam and there's like, no bitch, you're pregnant. (laughs) It's funny though. Like your, your goals do change when you have kids because like I've always loved working and I enjoy working. I still do enjoy working, but my work is like different now. Like, I don't know. I want to, I want to like, I, my favorite thing is coming home and my girls running to me and hugging me. I love putting my kids to bed. Like I enjoy like just doing this with, with Madison, even if it's for a freaking hour, I'm like, come on, please just go to bed. Please go to bed. Like before this interview, that's what I was doing. And she didn't want to go to bed. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to do an interview. Uh, please just go to bed. Please go to sleep. But there's nothing better than it. It's a lot of work though. And it's tiring. And, you know, especially at the beginning, Oh, you're going to get like 
four hours of sleep here, four hours of sleep there. It's so true. All the stuff you see and hear about. It's so true. It's crazy. Cause yeah, I feel like, um, even now, like being pregnant and finding out that I was pregnant after I quit my job that I'm like, Oh shit, I better figure something out quick. Cause I don't want to have to like reset, like have a kid then reset. And it's very important for me to like to be working a lot as a mom. Like I want to be a busy working mom. I want to be that figure for my daughter to be able to see. That's exactly what Maurice says. Oh my God. That sounded like, that sounded exactly like Maurice. Like Maurice wants to work because she wants her kids to see her as a working mom. Like I work, I, this is, this is like, I don't just sit back and do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm doing more. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. Okay. So I know that both of us have probably talked about this ad nauseum before, but we've not been able to do it together. That moment on talking smack with you and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I mean, we're taking it back a couple years here. I'm curious what you were thinking. Cause yeah, like on, I I went black to be honest. Like have you ever went black? Like have you ever talked and, and, and and you don't remember anything you just said? Yep. That's what happened. You were, you were so in that moment. So like, Me as the third party to that scenario of you and Brian going off on each other and talking smack and just the level that it got to, I remember at one point feeling like I needed to get between you two because I was like legit concerned because I mean, there was like a bit of like like legit animosity between the two of you. I was waiting to get hit. When you were cutting that promo you were like so on one and like your eyes were even welling up that I was like, oh my God, this is like so personal. You dug so deep. And then Brian's sitting next to me and, you know, he is dealing with being out with concussions, having to retire, not know, like knowing that nothing physical was going to happen between the two of you, but feeling like. Uh, that's not true. I didn't know if he was going to hit no, me or No, not. but I mean that he could not be hit. Oh Yeah. Like in that, that it wasn't going to lead to like a match at that point because he if wasn't he hit me. I would have hit him back. <laughs> You'd have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. That was just such a wild moment, but it's, it's cool now to see what talking smack has evolved into because you were the first person to really use that platform to, to make that it. It was a bad day for me. Why was it a bad day for you? So I had the intercontinental title. I just got drafted to SmackDown and that night I wasn't on the show. I really wanted to make the intercontinental championship. Like I said, I want to make it relevant again. Like I want to make it as big as it was when I saw it in the eighties, like with the ultimate warrior having it, Shawn Michaels having it. It was the, it was literally like the workhorse title. And I wanted it to get back to that. 
And then you walk into to TV and they said, oh, yeah, you're not needed. Uh, you're going to be on the dark match tonight, which dark match means you're in the first match. And I go, you're kidding, right? I, I hold this title. This title has been held by all my heroes and I'm trying to do something here and you're not allowing me to do it. And they're like, well, we have, you know, we're introducing uh, two new titles tonight on SmackDown. So, you know, we have too much. We have too much going on. I go, I was so angry. I went up to Road Dog and I said, put me on Talking Smack. He goes, why? He goes, Daniel Bryan's general manager. I'm going to let unleash it all on him. And so they're like, all right, cool. So we go into the Talking Smack and he, he like called me like a coward. And in my head, I'm going, this guy's calling me like a coward. And, and everyone gets called a coward. But when Daniel Bryan called me it, it was different. Different than when someone in, in, on a promo, you're a coward. There was something underneath it. And I knew what it was. I knew where he was going with that. It infuriated me because I was still able to do what I do. And he wasn't. He's not there anymore. The way you wrestle and you can sit there and hate it with the way I, 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 I'm in the ring. But I guarantee I can entertain an audience. I don't have to do all the flippy stuff, all the stupid stuff that gets you injured because I'm going to be there day in and day out, each and every week. You're not. I feel it right now. I feel it right now, like talking to you. I can see you getting fired up about it again. It made me think of like everyone that just doesn't get, doesn't understand me. And I was trying to make people understand what I go through and what I do and why I do the things I do. And then when he walked off, that was even more disrespectful. Like if you would have punched me, it would have been better than him just walking off. And this is the guy that was beloved by everyone. Like, I was like, why don't they love me? Because Brian can be mean when he wants to. He can like, he cuts deep sometimes. And you're like, oh shit, like unexpected. I don't even think he was trying to be mean. I think he was just trying to get under my skin. And he did. And then it created a whole thing where I was actually successful in making the Intercontinental title relevant again, which was great. So sometimes you just need those moments and those opportunities. And when things aren't going your way, find avenues that like talking smack wasn't anything when, when I, when I, before I went on it and even road dog was like, why do you want to be on talking smack? And I was like, if you're not going to give me the opportunity, I'm going to make an opportunity for myself. And that's, that's just like the lessons that I feel like a lot of up and coming superstars need to understand to do. If you're not on television, WWE has many different avenues where you can showcase your talents. When John Morrison and myself were back in 2007, we were having great matches, but nobody knew who the hell we were as a tag team. So I went up to Stephanie McMahon and cut a promo on her and said, look, she was ahead of talent or ahead of creative that time. I said, John and I want to do uh, a, a, the dirt sheet. She goes, what's the dirt sheet? And I go, it's going to be a show that's a cross between like the soup, SNL. So a lot of skits, a lot of variety. We're going to pick on everybody. And, and, and then, and then I got really heated and, and, and gave her a, a promo. I was like, we're, cause we're the greatest tag of 21st century. Be jealous. She goes, be jealous. I like that. And the next day I got a call from creative going, Hey, what is this thing you guys want to do? Stephanie wants you to do it. And so then we started writing, editing every single week, the dirt sheet. This was before YouTube was even a thing. And we created this and it allowed us to showcase exactly who we are. So when opportunities don't present themselves, make opportunities for yourself. Well, it's crazy to think too, looking back at like you creating that moment on Talking Smack and you can see that Talking Smack still is that platform today for guys like Cesaro. He just went on there and cut this great promo that the internet was, you know, kind of clamoring over. And like Big E has used it to his advantage as well, you know, recently. Did you see Big E and myself uh, on there uh, when it first came back? Fan 
fantastic. It was so good. It was the biggie that I wanted. Like I was, it was almost like I, I was in the Daniel Bryan position. And you were the perfect foil for it too, because you let him say the things he needed to say, but you put yourself in a position to let him go off on you. Heyman does that too. Yeah, he does. Heyman allows you to succeed. Heyman's very good at highlighting like strengths yeah. and low lighting weaknesses. He's fantastic at it. Speaking of Cesaro, arguably the most talented person in a WWE ring, one of the most, I, I don't even know if you can call him underrated anymore because I think people know. Right. I think people get it. I don't know what the word is. It's like everyone just wants that push. They want to see him be the guy. I honestly believe it's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen when we get fans back. Right. Because I think there's no denying his talent and it's going to get him there. It's going to have that same force as like a Kofi mania. Everyone's behind him. Everyone knows how good he is. Everyone knows all the hard work he puts in. So yeah, I, I do see it taking on like that same wave of success as well. He's so damn good. What a guy. Okay. So we've talked a lot. We have not really actually talked about wrestling all that much. You're the WWE champion, dude. Yeah. What the hell? Like, Again, like a decade later, you're now what a a two time over Grand Slam champion. The only person in WWE history to have done that. Doesn't that blow your mind? It's it's incredible. I didn't even know that stat, by the way. I saw it on like the Internet and I went, is this true? And I started going through the lists of people that I could think of off the top of my head. I went, no, they only had one. They had one there. They won. Wow, I really am. That's crazy to me. To be honest, I never thought I'd ever get it again. I don't think anyone like ever assumes they're going to be champion all the time. Uh, I go in there, I do the best I possibly can. Hopefully I entertain the audiences. And as much as I sit there and say, I'm the most must-see superstar, I do really try to make it the most must-see. And so now like my goal is to make sure that this title is represented in the way that it needs to be represented. And I know how to represent the WWE as a company and as a champion. And I plan on doing that. And I hopefully, I think a champion also needs to elevate everyone that is around him. As the WWE champion, I plan on elevating whoever I'm in the ring with because that is the ultimate goal. Okay, so put yourself in Vince's shoes. Say you get to be Vince and The Miz. How do you book yourself going forward? No scripts, no nothing, no one telling you what to do. What do you do? That's a lot to think about. I mean, if I was giving the... The keys to the car, obviously, I would be going into the main event of WrestleMania. Hopefully, like right now with Bobby Lashley and MVP, I don't know if you saw the promo that Bobby Lashley cut on me, but whenever that man is in your face, it's scary. And the way he's been performing in a ring, it's scary because he is just an absolute beast, a monster. He is the almighty for me to take on him, Drew McIntyre, I mean, honestly, has been on fire since he's come back to WWE. I mean, he literally has the rocket and he is riding it and taking it and des- deserving of it. I mean, it was very hard to get the title off of him. So between Lashley, Drew McIntyre, you know, I'd love even to see John Morrison get a shot at a WWE championship. I think John Morrison is arguably the most talented underrated superstar that we have in WWE. And I think that people need to see him showcased even more than he is right now. How did that conversation kind of go with you bringing Morrison back into the fray with WWE? I mean, obviously you must've been a pretty instrumental part of getting him back there. No, John signed to WWE and it was a natural fit to bring him back 
to get them, you know, warmed up to uh, everything that we needed to get done um, to showcase what he can do. And, uh, and I, I think it's been working. I mean, honestly, on Raw, we are the entire show. And people see the chemistry between us. We're doing things outside of it. Like right now, uh, I mean, we, we wrote a we wrote a, a, a rap, another one. Uh, so you <laughs> if, can look if forward I get to hey that. hey ho ho stuck in my head again, I will come to your house. We got a problem. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> <laughs> gets in my head all the time. Like even after I left WWE, I'm like, why is this still rattling around in my head? That and oh my god, wait, what's the other miss? Uh, Hey, 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 ho, ho. No, it was something The Universal else. Champion needs to go. Hey, no, that was our 80s like, ballad, by the way. Yes, we did an 80s ballad, and I can't sing. Shit, no, there's something else. Oh, what, what in the butt? That's the other oh Miz thing. Oh, my God. That was like <laughs> an early, early YouTube sensation. <laughs> I never knew what it was, but you'd always say that, and it was always stuck in my head. So it always dumb. made me laugh. If you go to YouTube and go, what, what in the butt, you'll, you'll, you'll see it and you cannot help but laugh and be entertained. So stupid. Um, okay. So you are WWE champion. WrestleMania is around the corner. Ms. and Mrs. is coming back the day after WrestleMania. You said that is correct. That's coming up. I mean, you've been doing a million different things for, for MTV over the years. You've been hosting cannonball, what do you do? Do you know, do you realize you were the first person to tell me about Cannonball? Yeah, because I didn't get the job, but you did. Not even my agent knew about Cannonball, but you knew about Cannonball. I went in for the audition and they're like, yeah, we really want the Miz. I was like, oh, I mean, I know him. <laughs> do you want me to like connect you guys? It was weird. So when I got done doing the uh, Cannonball, we did a, a marketing thing over at, uh, at NBC Universal to tell them a little bit about what the show will be. And so I'm sitting there with two execs from USA. And, uh, they basically said that there was no one else that they wanted besides me. And I was like, wow, that is like the greatest compliment you could, you could get from execs. Like, and I don't think they were just blowing smoke. I really believe that because they would tell me this all the time and I'd be like, wow, thank you. And it's like, you not only came to cannonball, but you exceeded the expectations of what we wanted out of this. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. I mean, this is, it was an incredible opportunity. I loved doing it. Uh, it was a fun show. So what do you do for you? What is your downtime? Because I can't imagine you just chilling out. Do you? No, you know what my chilling out was? So last week, Maurice looked at our sandbox, which was a nice square sandbox like we had when we were kids. She said, it's too small. This whole area, and I'm talking... Think of like a half court basketball, right? That's, that's how big the area is. She goes, this all needs to be a sandbox. And so I had to figure out where that sand was, have it delivered to my house. And Maurice was like, are you going to hire people to do it? I go, no, it's my daughter's sandbox. I'm doing it on my own. So that's exactly what happened. I took a ton, one ton of sand and just literally shoveled it, put it in a wheelbarrow, rolled it over dumped it. And now my daughters have an incredible sandbox. So my downtime is doing all the errands that my wife wants me to do. And honestly, being like the best husband I possibly can, like sometimes I feel that Maurice is here and I leave for a day, you know, or two. I don't want my girls to grow up and be like, you weren't there. I want them to be like, you were there every step of the way. You guided me, you supported me. You helped me do whatever I wanted to do. 
And I hope I succeed at it because a lot of times as a parent, and you'll, you'll, you'll know this when you, when you become a parent, you feel like you're failing. And even as a WWE, as the WWE champion, there are times like today, like when I can't get my daughter to sleep, I feel like a failure. I'm like, why can't I get her to sleep? Like, why can't I give my wife a break? Why can't I do better when Monroe is getting jealous of Madison for getting attention, you know, and I'm like, I I just give her a hug and I go, it's okay. Like, I love you. You're the best. Like, I don't try to scold her for like, sometimes she'll, she'll go and push like Madison and Madison can't take a push because she's won. And I'll go, Monroe, please, you you can't do that because that's your sister and you have to love her. You have to protect her. You're the big sister. Okay. And she'll go, okay, sorry, Dada. And it's like, it breaks your heart. It makes you feel so good. And you'll feel that love. You really will. And there will be moments where you're like, oh, you're tired. You're exhausted. You just want to sleep and you can't because they're crying or they're hungry or they need changed or you need to do something for them. And it is a lot of work. There is no harder job than being a parent. I will certainly be hitting you both up once this baby's. I, I was talking to Maurice the other day. So I was like, oh, what's like a good diaper bag? She's like, well, mine's Gucci, but I guess you could try this one. <laughs> but then, but, then, she, but then, she, then she was like, I found the perfect gift for, for Renee for her for pregnancy. She just asked me what the thing is. And then you were like, you felt bad because you're like, I wasn't asking you to get me it. I felt weird about it. I was like, no, I like legit just asking you like where to look. Like, please let us get it for you because <laughs> no. like, no, you have to now because this is what, this is what my wife does to me, by the way. And I get so upset with it. She always be like, and I listen, I go, I listen for things for gifts because December's Christmas, January's her birthday, February is Valentine's Day and our anniversary. So I have to think of all these gifts. Married seven years, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we just celebrated our seven-year anniversary and I'm still in love with her. How could you not be? I don't think she's ever been more beautiful in my entire life like than seeing her as a mom with her kids and she's been working out and her body's incredible. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. She's an unreal specimen, she is. like truly a specimen. Incredible. You know, what's funny is before I met Maurice, I thought I wasn't going to like her. Cause I was like, fuck this bitch. Cause she's so hot, but she's also amazing. Like she's such a cool chick. I love her. She's just the best. Yeah. She's funny, smart and very witty and very cool. But anyway, so she uh, she always will be like, I love this purse or I love this outfit. And then I'll be like, oh, good. I got there's a gift. There's a gift. Perfect. Great. And then two days later, it'll be in her closet. And I'll go, <laughs> what am I? I can't buy you anything. Like I can't because anything you say you like, you just buy it for yourself. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, because I want to buy it for myself because I can buy it for myself because I've earned the right to do that. You know, I've earned the money to do that. Like, so I'm going to do that. And I'm like, yeah but I need gifts for you. Like, can you, can you just give me something? And so, so yeah, that's, so you have to let us get you that gift because, or else we will get you something that you don't really want. I just, I feel very weird about, I I just feel weird having people buy me stuff. I feel weird about it. Don't take it all. But then she was showing me like the little toilets that you guys have around the house, like those little pink baby training toilets. We have one in our car in case like, Monroe has to go to the bathroom. We'll run to the car and she'll sit on her little pink throne. So John and I had a conversation about that because Nicole Bella also had one on Total Bellas. And John was under the like misconception that he was like, oh, we should just have one of those in case you had to like pee on the side of the road. And I was like, you have to like clean it. It doesn't, it's not an actual functioning toilet. Yeah. It's not for an adult, but you do have to clean it. But I mean, if Monroe has to go to the bathroom, we have a potty right there. You just empty it. 
And usually you can find a faucet somewhere, a water somewhere and clean it. Honestly, you get your hands dirty when you're, when you're a dad and mom, it don't matter if you're the biggest superstar in the world. doesn't matter if you're a WWE champion, the kids don't care. Mike, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I don't want to take up more of your time. I know you've got dad things to do and you just flew home, but I really appreciate you coming on to hang out with me. Congratulations. Becoming the WWE champion. Anything for you, Renee, and congratulations and good luck with everything. I can't wait to see what you do next. Give us a quick little plug again for Ms. and Mrs. New episodes will be airing the day after WrestleMania, which is April 12th, Monday, right after Raw. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, you get to see if uh, I contemplate getting a vasectomy. Oh, okay. That's a whole nother oral session. That is a, a whole, whole nother episode. <laughs> Please come on here for the exclusive on that one. When and if that ever happens, I want all this. I want the dirt on that. For sure. Thank you, Renee. You're amazing as always. Thank you. Shout out to Mike for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Hopefully you guys got to learn a little bit more about him. There's so many things that I like wanted to dive in to ask him. But I mean, as you guys know from listening to the interview, or if you're a longtime Miz fan or you've watched him on TV for forever, it's hard to get in a word edgewise with this dude. I had so many questions as soon as we like got off the Zoom calls. Like, oh my God, I want to talk to him about this and this and this. We didn't even get to talk about the infamous slap. I got to slap this man right in the face. Anyways, we'll have to have him on again, 100%. Him, have Maurice on. Uh, it was cool going down on memory lane with him, talking about our time and talking smack and just how crucial and pivotal he was in making that show a success. And then also just giving himself a launching pad for what he was going to go on to do in WWE. One of the, the best heat seekers in all of WWE. This guy, This guy does it. He knows how to make the crowd hate him. He's very, very good at it. Uh, so, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on winning the WWE Championship. You're at the tippy-tippy top. WrestleMania is just around the corner. We're all looking forward to see what's going to happen with everything there. Um, so, guys, this has been an episode of Oral Sessions. Make sure that you check us out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Renee Paquette. Make sure that you follow The Volume Sports, at The Volume Sports. You guys can check out all the other podcasts that are all a part of that network as we are growing and we are branding and we're doing all of those things that cool networks do. Check them all out. And me, your girl, I've got a cookbook coming out. I know I've been like plugging it for what feels like forever, but it's truly in the horizons now, May 18th, it's going to be here before we know it. So um, you guys, if you're following me on social media, I've got all the links in the, in the bios of both my Instagram and my Twitter, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, write meow. Just search my name on Amazon and you can get my book, Messy in the Kitchen, my guide to eating deliciously, wait, hosting fabulously, eating deliciously and drinking copiously. It was a really long title. I did that to myself. I have nobody to blame except for myself. Buy the book. I promise you, you guys are going to love it. I'm so proud of this book. Um, but anyways, enough about that. I've got like months still to uh, to really pump the wheels on that bad boy. We also have a YouTube page. Am I plugging enough things here for everybody? Are we actually following through on any of this? I don't know, but I'm just doing my job. Um, but yeah, check us out on YouTube because we also have the video versions of these podcasts that you guys seem to be enjoying. Uh, So thank you guys again for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks to The Miz. And we'll see you guys in a few days. Ta-ta. Bye-bye now.